With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From a basketball standpoint, and we've we've broken down the candidates before, including Yudoka, but now that this has happened, or it looks like this is happening, what do you think M.A. Udoka's impact is going to be on the young Rockets core? Because I, I think that, you know, we, we've uh, we've talked about this a lot, but just the the voice, I think the voice, the vision, and the respect, I think are going to be really key beyond just the X's and O's. And I think there are going to be some X's and O's benefits on top of that. But just the presence, I think, that this guy is going to bring to the locker room and to the sideline from a day-to-day basis, night-to-night basis, I think is going to be, I don't want to say night and day as a disrespect to Steven Silas, but I think it's going to be a totally different type of tone and energy around what this thing looks like. I'm curious what you think the impact is going to be on the young guys that, you know, that matter most. You know, the Jalen Greens, Jabari Smiths, you know, uh, Alpern Shingoons and Kevin Porter Juniors of the world. I think he's going to coach them hard. And I think that you saw this in Boston. He was not afraid to call players out. I don't know if he would necessarily do it individually, but as a group, he would certainly call them out in the media. He had no qualms doing that. And I do think that's something that this team, they need some tough love. These guys need some tough love because that was one thing that they really didn't, you know, they, they had it with Lucas, with John Lucas, you know, Lucas can be hard on players and he can get on you. But, you know, he's an assistant at the end of the day. You know, I think they're going to have a head coach now who can probably be a little bit of a, a bit of an asshole. And I don't think that that's a bad thing for a very young group. I think that he will give them a little bit of discipline, a little bit more discipline, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, and I think that you need young guys to have that discipline and that structure early in their careers, because I think if they don't have that, then they kind of, it almost feels like they tend to be directionless. And so I I think that having Yudoka in there gives them a bit of direction. It gives them some structure and it will give them just something that they have not had the last couple of years. And, um, you know, X's and O's wise, we'll have to wait and see because, you know, the team that he had in Boston was a great team already. You know, you look at it, uh, 2017, they went to the conference finals. 2018, they went to the conference finals. Um, 2019, they lost in the second round. 2020, they went to the conference finals. 2021, they lost in the first round. But, I mean, you have a team that enjoyed a great deal of success, not just in the regular season, but the postseason. He took that group and he took them to another level. He's starting from the very bottom with this team. So, he's not going to go to the finals in year one, but – 
if you can see that linear development, if you can see them go to go from the very bottom, take one step forward, another step forward, maybe you take a bigger jump the next year than maybe you expect. That's what I think that he brings. You know, that Celtics team was it, it was young, um, but it was experienced. There were a lot of guys who had been in the league for a while. I mean, you look at you know Marcus Smart is probably the old guy on that team, and I think he's been in the league since 2014. So I mean, that kind of tells you. You know, while there was nobody within that group aside from Al Horford who was old, everyone was still in their prime. So now, so he got those guys in their primes. Now he gets these guys when before they've even come close to entering their primes. That's what I think makes this uh, for the, for the team in a basketball sense pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I, that was what I was getting at about the parallels because obviously there are no parallels in terms of team success and you know, what he's working with, even from a talent standpoint. Like, I, I think, I mean, you could say that this is a, a, a supremely talented team, but they've got almost like next to no experience compared to the one that he was taking over in Boston. But the the parallels for me are, are more so stylistic. Like the, one of the big, for example, one of the big things that Ime Udoka wanted to get rid of, and I think the Rockets ended up doing better with this over time, but one of the things he wanted to get rid of when he got there to Boston was to stop the my turn, your turn kind of a way of offense that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had sort of become accustomed to, you know, and, and I don't want to say that it's a my turn, your turn, but it's a it's an aimless offense in that sort of way. Right. A, a directionless offense in that sort of way that I feel like Ime Udoka, especially coming from pop system, you know, having coached under Greg Popovich, um, you know, he's, this is somebody that wants to, you know, see them move the ball around and have like a cohesive offense. So I think that that matters. Um, the, the defensive intensity that like they had, that would be the main difference I would say is that they had just a much more in Boston, a much more, I think, like just a more talented defensive team. They just weren't really realizing their defensive potential. And that's maybe where the, parallel actually is it's like like just being on their ass about getting after it on defense and letting that sort of spur your offense a little bit you know i i think that i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The sort of the stylistic makeup uh, and, and the things I should say more succinctly, the things that he's looking to correct in the Rockets are very similar to the things that he was looking to correct and the Celtics just to a higher degree and to get them to a higher place because they were already starting, you know, with a, you know, from a higher floor. Um, but I could see some of those similar things and what he's trying, what he would be trying to do with the Rockets. And then the thing that you mentioned too about getting on guys, like he doesn't, he doesn't get on like call an individual player out publicly, but he'll call the team out publicly for sure. He's I've seen him do that a number of times. And one of the things I was really impressed with him or impressed by him as a first year head coach last year was when, and I'd kind of forgotten about this, but I was reading about it a little bit earlier in the day. And if you remember, they had, they had played, it was about 35 games into the season last year. 
and they were like 16 and 19. And Marcus Smart mouths off to the media about how Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum won't pass the ball. And it was kind of a thing within the locker room. It kind of, you know, you know, they didn't feel great about him saying that publicly. And it was an issue. And Ime Udoka was kind of the one to like make sure that Marcus Smart addressed it with his teammates and make made sure that they hashed it out. And Damon Stoudemire apparently played a big role in that as well. And like, but but knowing having the temperament as a first year head coach, knowing how to ham, handle that with already strong personalities, you got to remember at this point, you know, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, while they hadn't gone to the finals yet, they were already established players in the NBA. And to be able to kind of wrangle that a little bit as a first year head coach, I thought showed a lot and said a lot about their respect, especially the way they talk about him after that and how he handled that, I think said a lot about him as a first year head coach. Uh, he commands the room. And I think that that's a quality. You can talk about X's and O's. You can talk about um, strategic stuff. You can talk, you can talk about a lot of stuff, but the ability to command a room for a head coach is probably one of the more underrated aspects of the job because you're the one who's talking most of the time. You're doing most of the talking, whether it's in practice, whether it's in a film session, whether it's you know before a game, during a timeout, at halftime, whatever. You're the guy who you're you're the guy whose voice is heard the most. You have to be able to command the room, and I do think that that's probably that might have been his biggest strength last year with the Celtics was just the ability because you had all these guys who had already had a ton of individual success. And when they were going bad, he was able to command that room, get that team back together. And they had just a sensational run to the NBA finals where they felt just a little bit short. So I think that that aspect of Ime Udoka is, is tremendously important because I do think that, you know, one of the things that you would hear on the negative side with Steven Silas is just did not have the ability to command a room. He had the respect of his players. He had, you know, his players liked and respected him and played for him, but he didn't quite have the same type of command over the locker room that I think Ime Udoka will have. And that's just part of just, he's a very strong presence. And I think that that really bore out last year in Boston um, with getting that team, you know, through some really rough patches early in the year. Yeah. I, when I, when I kind of think about him, one of the things that stands out to me is when you go back to his, to his playing days, which were unremarkable and unmemorable, un non-memorable, you would say, but one of the key moments, or I would say the key stretch of his career was when he goes to goes to the Spurs for a brief stretch and impresses Greg Popovich enough that he brings him on his coaching staff. And even before that, when he had some time, I think he spent some time with the Knicks and Isaiah Thomas was there, one of the first people to kind of encourage him to get into coaching the hall of famer Isaiah Thomas that is and he's there with guys like Stefan Marbury and I forget who all exactly was there but like accomplished guys who were way more talented than Ime Udoka was but they were going to him with questions you know and he'd only been there for a short amount of time but he was somebody that would recognize things whatever's on the blackboard chalkboard whiteboard whatever it is he'd recognize it internalize it, learn it, and eventually guys of a higher stature in the game were coming to him with questions and he would have the answers. And and they were, you know, people, there were coaches 
Hall of Famer, Isaiah Thomas, Greg Popovich, that were noticing this very early on before anybody else really thought of him as a coach. He's always seems like somebody who people have thought about as a smart guy who could who could teach and coach the X's and O's. But then on top of that, personality-wise, you know, at, at first glance, it seems like he might be quiet and soft-spoken, and anybody knows him will tell you, no, it's not exactly that. Like, he he doesn't necessarily say a lot, but when he does, you know, it, it's somebody that that you're going to listen to. Um, he, he, he played kind of with the approach of, like, this kind of scrappy junkyard dog type of, you know, sort of mentality and, and approach and attitude. And it seems like he approaches coaching sort of in the same way, kind of the same way he got it, you know, the same way that he kind of came up. Um, and then there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole backstory about M.A. Udoka and how he grew up, uh, the the son of an immigrant, um, grew up poor, um, was run over by, by a van when he was a little kid, uh, apparently, um, has a scar in the back of his head for being run over by a van when he was a little kid. I'm like, man, look, this guy's been through a lot of things. And he's, <laughs> look, he's just, he's, He's grimier than you might think. And I think that the Rockets themselves could use a little bit of that grit, griminess, you know, um, and, and add that to their persona a little bit. Yeah, I mean, because they did not have that at all. And you could see that with the way that they played. They weren't the type of team that wanted to get their hands dirty or anything like that, you know. So I, I do think that he'll give them an edge that, you know, we, I, I think you could say Jabari Smith kind of probably played with that edge. Tari yes. kind of plays with that edge. I think that yes. they will quickly become favorites of Ime Udoka, but I think the rest of those guys, they're going to have to bring an edge with them that maybe they did not have in order to be successful with Ime Udoka. And that's how you become successful in the NBA. And I think that his resume as a coach speaks for itself, where he coached under Greg Popovich for a long time. He coached under Doc Rivers. Then he went to, to Brooklyn and, and kind of learned a little bit from Steve Nash and also from Mike D'Antoni to that, to a certain degree, because D'Antoni was on that staff uh, in Brooklyn a couple of years ago. So I, I think it's if it's two years ago and he has not been fired by the Celtics, I think that this is the clear-cut favorite for the job. However, there is just the stuff that comes with it, and so we'll have to see just how that plays out, and we'll have to see you know if that's if, if that's all in the past. It's it's a fascinating hire. I really think that it is. Um, I'm again, I'm surprised. I did not think that they would go in this direction, but if it works out, then this could be one of the more important decisions that they've made during the Tillman Fertitta era. I mean, when you think about it, this, this is a guy who, you know, I I think with some of these other coaches that they were talking about, whether it was Vogel or, you know, whoever, um, that was kind of the guy to take you to the next step. You know, but I think with Udoka, you have a guy who can get you not only to the next step, but to the steps after that. It can be your head coach for a very long time. Um, that's not something that they've had. You know, you look basically every head coach that has followed Rudy Tom Don- Tom Jonovich, uh, you know, it's uh, Jeff Van Gundy got four years. Rick Adelman got four years. Kevin McHale got four years plus 11 games. Mike D'Antoni got four years. Steven Silas got three. You haven't had that one guy who can, you know, take the job and keep it for a long time. Yudoka's 45. You know, there's no reason to think that he can't have this job for a very long time if it goes the right way, if he can get the most out of this roster, and if he can avoid some of the things that got him fired and got him in trouble in Boston. Yeah, and on the point on the things that got him fired and got him in trouble in Boston – 
I do think you mentioned this, you brought this up earlier, the the point about embarrassment and shame. I do wonder how much of that is a you know, a punishment in and of itself for him in, in terms of like you know, a lesson learned. Like like how much of that is like he can come to the Rockets or they can come together and talk about this and Ime Udoka can say, Hey, guys. I lost my job. I lost my good name. I hit rock bottom. I lost my woman. Like I lost, I hit what exactly what you said, Adam. I hit rock bottom guys. This I can guarantee will never happen again. You know, like I've, I have suffered enough from this to, to have learned this lesson. I, I th- actually think that's a reasonable thing. Like, even if you're put off, you know, like I don't, I don't want to assume that just because the Rockets hired Ime Udoka, especially before we hear from them on Tuesday, I don't want to assume that just because they hired Ime Udoka that they're not put off by whatever it is exactly that Ime Udoka did, but also don't want to assume that Ime Udoka isn't, you know, isn't like redeemable and perhaps like any other human being would go through something and then like have a realization of like, man, that's, I just played with my life there, you know, more or less. So, so I, like, I wonder how much of the, that human element of it is like, you know, sure guys, pe- people deserve second chances, but also, you know, like there's a real life lesson element to bumping your head, you know, and, and like, Hey man, I, I can see this. I can see that this part of it is enough. I don't have to, you know, deny him a job or, like not consider him for a job because because of this like the the results of it that he's already experienced are bad enough i, I think that could that could be in play and maybe that's a, a way that they try to explain it like yeah he's he's sort of paid his debt he lost his job like yeah, you know he's he's answered for this basically if 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 he comes out and says exactly what you just said that's it it's over it's all pretty much put to bed but He's got to be willing to do that, and he's got to be willing to put himself out there because a lot of guys, a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people are kind of afraid to really put themselves out there like that. But if he's willing to go that route and to basically say what you just said, then, hey, I got nothing else, and now we can go, and now we can talk about basketball. Now, it's going to come up with other people, and it's going to come up whenever he goes back to Boston, but in terms of from the Houston side of it, just get past it get past it because once you get past it, we can all talk about basketball at that point. And, you know, you've answered the questions to us and, you know, I imagine that he will answer the questions with his team, but you can't act like nothing happened. Like that's the big thing. Don't act like nothing happened. Be contrite, be forthcoming, explain yourself. And then hopefully that's enough to get this to move on. And I would say the same thing with, you know, the Rockets organization, be, honest with what you found, be honest with, you know, your um, motivation to make the hire and then move on. And then we can all move on. But again, you can't shut the questions down. You can't make the media out to be the bad guy in this situation. You've got to sit there and you've got to answer every single question about this that gets asked because it's the only way you get through it. 